Witten. Witten. How are you, mate? You're, uh, you've been relegated to uh, less technologically advanced stuff today, I hear. Mate, I, I, I prefer to think of it as uh, because of the mass power out down here in Victoria because of the clubbing storm uh, caused by Dan Andrews yeah. releasing us back out <laughs> into population. Uh, which has caused uh, the, I think probably they'll announce on the wind uh, on the wind tonight. Uh, they'll announce on the news tonight that this will be the worst winds that we've had probably in fifty years. Wow! Around here, certainly on the peninsula, uh, one hundred and fifty-five thousand uh, customers out of service uh, in, and that's just in the uh, the lower peninsula sort of area. So that'd be close to a million people without power. Uh, we've been out since seven o'clock this morning. And uh, but uh, I prefer to think of it that uh, we've we've gone natural. Uh, so I've I've found the only room in the house that has some natural ambient lights uh, coming in and um, sunlight. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is this is what I really look like uh, <laughs> without. The technology. Uh, well, to fill in the gaps, folks, Andy has been without power for over twenty four hours. I think uh, he's saying, and where he lives, uh, you need power for the water. Um, yep. You need power for everything, so he's unshowered. So thankfully, it's not a live show, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate. So good to see you, mate, uh, folks. We might not, uh, we we may or may not uh, do a full length show today, just depending on the uh, the natural light down at Andy's place, and maybe see if his phone can actually last because um, yeah. <laughs> we're on battery. It's uh, it's on its last legs, mate. I was running my appointments <laughs> today, driving around in the car just so I could charge my phone. <laughs> Uh, well, mate, uh, good we could uh, at least do something. And uh, a big shout-out, say hello, uh, Margaret, James, Sean, and I see a few of you guys on there right now. Got some good numbers, some great numbers. Give us a shout-out, who's online and where you're dialling in from. Great to see everyone here today. Andy and I want to talk about a couple of things that, uh, you know, we chatted about a little while ago, um, and uh, they're, on, they're on the lips of uh, most commentators at the moment but uh, as you guys know we've got uh, a little bit of a show here wealth wine and wisdom andy and i have been doing this for two oh well, 18 months almost heading on towards two years now since the since the world of covid kicked in and we decided we'd do a little bit of a weekly debrief for everyone in our networks our communities the property investing community over my side the business and financial planning community over on andy's side and uh we thought we'd try and make sense of it all, and we just kept on going. We've enjoyed a Friday wine and uh, having a little look at what's been happening this week, and we try and debrief the week and, and try and offer some wisdom. Uh, as the wine uh, increases, the wisdom decreases. I think there's an inverse, um, uh, correlation. <laughs> an inverse correlation, more wine, less wisdom, but uh, maybe there's uh, a bit more fun in it, folks. So welcome along. Great to have all of you guys here. Got someone dialing in from the sunny coast, Christy Lee. Good to see you. Uh, someone in there from the Yarra Valley. Yep. Yeah. Um, Andy's wearing a hoodie. Is, is it a hot day? Uh, well, no. Uh, and <laughs> uh, if you missed the if you missed the beginning, Andy uh, Andy's been without power for twenty four hours down in Victoria, where he lives on the um, on the peninsula, and uh, no showering, no. Uh, and it's a bit cold. Anyway, I think I think uh, I think uh, um, 
hopefully, Andy, you get the power back sometime soon. Now, fingers crossed, mate. <laughs> there we go. It just said uh, 20, 20, 20% battery power. <laughs> oh, well, why don't we uh, dive into it, folks, uh, before Andy's battery runs out. He, he can't uh, charge it. So we've got 20%. So that's probably 15 to 20 minutes, maybe. So I reckon, Andy, we dive into what's in the news. Let's jump and, in. Uh, yeah, for everyone listening in, what we'll do if we don't get a chance this week, if Andy drops out because of uh, power outage, um, we'll circle around on this one because I think, I think, uh, folks, uh, what's in the news, yeah, Tesla, <laughs> Tesla batteries for sure. Dash, Andy needs to put that Tesla battery. We were just talking about that off, off, uh, off air, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we wa- we wasted about twenty percent of my battery power talking about <laughs> whether I should have got a Tesla battery by uh, now. And, uh, yes. it, it was unanimous. I should have. It should have. Well, uh, folks, let's have a look at what's in the news because um, Andy, there's some interesting things out there going on right now, which both you and I were talking about. Well, you you mainly uh, in the world of inflation and uh, you know kicking on potentially into something that's uh, at the heart of every property investor, probably every Australian interest rates. But, mate, talk us through. Um, We saw this thing, you know, it says here that the headline, you know, sudden dramatic surge in three-year bond rate, okay, Uh, what does that mean to us? And which means that the sort of the banks are sort of jacking up, you know, fixed home loan rates. What, you know, WTF, what's going on here? Um, Talk us all through that for for us because uh, it's certainly not my wheelhouse, it's yours. Um, Tell us what's going on here. And obviously inflation is going to be a chat. Uh, if we can sneak it in as well. Well, look, inflation's at the core of uh, of some of this, and you, you know we've we've spoken about this ad nauseum, and this is exactly what we said was going to happen. Uh, yeah. And we started. We thought that it was probably going to be a little bit further down the track, but uh, it's probably brought forward. But we do need to be careful about the headlines, uh, and as you and I always articulate. Yeah. There's a lot of sensationalism, and let's face it, Jace. When the when the rates are at point one, um, well, <laughs> if they just go up by point one percent, then they've doubled, so they have soared, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but there is a, a reality to that. But anyway, so there, there's there. There was a chart in the Fin Review today. It was it was actually quite a balanced article. Uh, this one here. That's the one. That's the one, Jace. So. This is uh, this is sort of this is the the forward-looking three-year bond yield, if you will. So, what the expectations of bonds will look like in you know three years' time, or and so it's basically saying now that they believe that uh, the the rates are going to be up. Well, from 0.1% to 0.6, that's a 600% increase, isn't it? So that's you know astronomical in anybody's world. Yep. Uh, when you put it in percentage terms, when you put it into where we've come from. Uh, realistically, it's it's not even twelve, or it's a, a little bit over twelve months ago. It's twenty four months ago since uh, rates were at that kind of level. Yeah, yeah. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where rates are going to be. That's expectation of where rates are going to be, and expectations are driven a lot by emotion. Uh, and and I believe right now they're being del- they're being uh, they're being manipulated, those emotions are being manipulated by the fact that for many, many years, and we, we talked about this probably 10 wine and wisdoms ago, and the, the the headline rate of inflation is one of the key metrics that the Reserve Bank of Australia have used for many years to judge whether they should increase interest rates or the cash rate rather, or decrease the cash rate, which is that 
RBA cash rate, right, 0.1%, and they want it to be on that target rate down there at the bottom. So that's their target right there, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's where they they want to, if we keep it at 0.1, then, you know, we can kind of manage what's going to happen in the future. And if it blows up to 0.6 and things like that, well, they're going to have to raise that target rate, right? Because they'll they'll need to keep into it. So there's a couple of things at play here that uh, a lot of people don't know about. So, and and we we talked about ad nauseum, and it talks about it in this article in the in the uh, Fin Review. I actually like the title: uh, Bond markets push the RBA to close uh, close uh, close to capitulation. Um, bullshit uh, is is effectively the term. It's a great headline, though. Uh, but we need to look at what the fundamentals of inflation are, right? And so globally, the the central bank of uh, of Europe. Uh, the Fed Reserve in the US uh, and also the Australian uh, Reserve Bank have come out in the media six months ago and said, we're, I'm not sure about this, the Reserve Bank, I might be paraphrasing a bit much on them, but certainly the Fed and certainly uh, the, the Central Bank of Europe came out and said, we will let inflation spike above and below ranges for a while uh, because of the anomalous stuff that's causing inflation, which I'll go into in, t- in a tick. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to focus on job rates, so and job uh, and wage inflation, so wage growth and the unemployment rate. So, and that's pretty well worldwide, right? Like that's kind of like that's kind of the thing. So, let me try and just draw this quickly here, Andy, because like I want to make some sense of a few of these boxes, right? Mm-hmm. So, if we say, all right, well, the bond rate. Okay, um, what, what, what does that mean to us? Uh, inflation, right, and then uh, interest rates because ultimately right now for the end user, right, the end user, most Aussies, most people in America, if we've got a mortgage or we've got some sort of loan, this is the one where kind of like, you know, hang on, what's going on, what's happening here? You know, I want my interest rate. I want a 3% interest rate. Okay, right now, and so if this bond rate or um, cash rate is at point one and it goes to point six, right? You know, what does it mean in there, and what does it mean in here? Like, can can is this is this a, a good representation of how to connect it, or am I am I simplifying yeah. it too much? No, no. If I'd maybe scroll up a little bit and put another box underneath inflation and call it cash rate, uh, and then we can go from there. So. Yeah. Inflation, the centre box there, it was the targets that the Reserve Bank sort of had as to whether they should increase or decrease the cash rate. So between two and four percent in inflation, if we put two and four percent in inflation, two and four percent was sort of their target rate. If it was in between two and four percent, we're good. If it's yep. over four percent, we need to raise the uh, the cash rate. If it's below two percent then we need to potentially lower it so so the cash rate as of today do you know the the cash rate point like one. yeah point one all right so so are the, these are these directly correlated or is that just like the bond rate and the cash rate kind of the same well so the bond rate is actually a speculation on where the cash rate will be in three years time ten years time gotcha okay yep so Bond is the speculated future future value of the cash rate. 
that's effectively how because when people go big big companies countries when they go to borrow money yeah they're looking at what is a good rate that they should be getting on their on their um on their investment if they're going to lend money into the yep. economy yeah uh, or if the reserve bank's issuing paper into the, the, the so they want to figure out what's the appropriate rate and they're not looking at now because their bond they're going to hold that bond for three years yes or 10 years so they're going to go well what do we believe the bond rate is going to be in three years or 10 years yes. and the interest rate is going to be somewhere in between right so when there's fears of inflation because inflation is now i think three percent for the quarter I, I don't know exactly because i've been i wanted to research it more today i think it was up here where was it um uh cpi risen uh three percent during the quarter compared with uh, economists expecting the 3.1 the 3.8 quarter two etc so over three yeah Right, so so then everyone's going. Oh my God, inflation is now back up to the higher of the target rate. So in normal um, Keynesian economics is one of the terms that that, that that we use in the in in the the scholars circle. Um, <laughs> but effectively, that means it's it's up at the higher range. And if it's up yep. at the higher range, usually the Reserve Bank would have pressure to to increase interest, increase the cash rate. Which in, turn, which in turn makes it more expensive for the banks to buy money, which in turn they have to increase, increase the interest rate. Is that, that kind of the knock-on effect? Effectively, because the yep. cash rate then is how much the banks borrow money at. Yep. And they also borrow money at the bond rates. Yep. And then they lend that on as interest rates. So, so these guys want to make a margin, like anyone in business folks, they have to make a margin. They can't buy it at 3% and then lend it at 3%. So they have to have some sort of target margin there. So technically, you know, if they want to, you know, you know, buy it at one point five and then lend it at three, Andy, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? We're, so okay, that's what happens. The banks have got a, this is wholesale, and you know, technically, and this is retail, what you get sort of at the front end of the shop, you know. So, yeah, yep. yep, bang on, bang on. But this is what we call standard. Um, standard sort of economics this is the theory behind it yeah but inflation isn't just out of control because of normal times inflation is out of control because you can't get wood into the country you can't, <laughs> you can't get, get metal you can't get cars into the country because of the the breakdown in uh in supply change and so we have got this mass and in petrol gone through the roof yeah but that's a spike Right. Well, the petrol is a different thing because there was a bit of a war between the Saudis and the APAC and uh, and and the US, which which has in exacerbated the the challenge. Filled up the car today, bloody one dollar <laughs> fifty fifty four for diesel, and um, that was the truck. That was a truck. The the, te the don't have the Tesla yet. Mate, you I'm, need to get the Tesla as well, mate. I I just bought a new car, folks, as well. It's nine months until I get the bloody thing. Yeah. Right, and by then it will be too old. You'll have yeah, to sell. Yeah, I'll it. be riding my pushy. I'll be riding my pushy. <laughs> uh, so, I guess the point that I want to make here is that inflation is not going to be the core measure that uh, all of the central banks are looking at. They're yep. looking at other areas, but the press are going to bombard. The press it, like it because it's historically what used to trigger things. Yeah. Bang on, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's going to create great headlines because yeah. <laughs> sell a few you, newspapers. Well, mate, it'll be record increases, won't it? Because 
when rates are going from 5% to 6%, then down to 4% and then up to 5%, they're, they're, they're not that bigger percentage adjustments yeah. right, to, comparatively to each other. Yep, but when yep. rates go up from 0.1% and if they hit, you know, 1%, well, you've got a thousand percent increase headlines, you know, <laughs> biggest increase we've ever seen in the cash rate ever on history, you know, and so that's going to sell papers um, or, they, or it's clickbait. But it will also impact on markets, right? So yeah. less, less so the property market because you can't sell it quickly, but it's going to, I believe it'll make for greater volatility in equity markets. Yeah. Uh, because those longer term bond rates are going to be more volatile based off this sort of stuff. But the reserve banks around the world have made it known that one of their core focuses are going to be not so much inflation because they understand that inflation is spiking because of unnatural uh, econo uh, unnatural economies where supply chains are broken. And those supply chains, as they normalise, will aggressively swing in both directions. So they'll get too high, they'll get too low, they're going to they're gonna swing aggressively, right? That's what's just going to happen. Yep. Um, now the Fed Reserve and the the Reserve Bank and the, uh, the the central banks they need to be able to hold their nerve through this swinging and go well, what's the sign of a real healthy economy because if they raise interest rates or they raise the cash rate because they're scared of inflation then that cash rate jump will go straight into the the, the bottom line on interest rates and it'll push it north yeah so yeah. That's going to be a bit of scaremongering around, but there is another thing that's actually happening that that has got nothing to do with this. Yeah, uh, and it's the the cost of funding is actually increasing. So the cost of capital from from different markets. Um, well, we folks, while you're sitting there, absolutely. If you have some questions, uh, somebody sort of said, "Hey, listen, I've got a um, uh, I've got a you know a question." Chuck them in the chat. Type out your questions in the chat. I've got a question thinking longer-term share market equities. Um, so, you know, uh, put them in there. So shares have been uh, a wealth builder of baby boomers. Like put your your question in the chat, folks, um, and um, Andy and I will have a crack at answering them or, or giving a our version of what we think an answer might be. So, um, yeah, um, have, have a crack at that. While we're, while we're doing that, we this could be, um, one of these little segments that we do, which is things you should know. So, Andy, tell me a little bit more about that. So, what are you what are you talking about here? You're talking about well, when uh, so the, the cost of funding uh, relates to well multiple different things uh, when it comes to to banks. So, you will see that the banks have already started to to raise their uh, their fixed their fixed rates. Yep. Now that's similar to to the previous you know illustration that you put up that's an expectation yeah it, so we've always well not always but you know we, we, there's been an understanding that if fixed rates go down that the banks are saying hey listen we're good with our funding costs we're locking it in it's actually cheap we could probably actually even buy it cheaper etc cetera, etc cetera, whatever it might be or if fixed rates go up they're expecting the price of them purchasing money um uh to be a little bit more expensive, right? Um, and, you know, as you sort of say this, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong in this sort of section, Andy, because this could be part of what we're talking about. Folks, if you get a 30-year loan, so you might have a contract for 30 years with the lender, with a bank, but the bank might 
have lent you that money and the money that they lent you because they bought it from, let's say, someone, um, might actually only be five-year terms, Andy, like or whatever it is. Like it, it, this is not exactly exact, but folks, yep. they buy it for five years, but they lend it to you for 30. So each time they change over these little sections here, they've got to like, you know, hedge their bets, you know, because they don't want to pay too much for the whole time or they don't want to buy it too cheap or too expensive. So they kind of take a little risk in in how much they buy the money for and how long they have that money and they pay it back and they buy it back again, Andy. Like, And, and this is kind of like probably, hopefully, working towards what you're trying to say here, which is the cost of funding, you know, potentially might be increasing because of, you know, these things, you know, in, in the background. Well, the, the, the overnight cash rate, or which is effectively the cash rate, uh, that if that increases, then that's one thing that factors into the, the increase of cost of funding. But that's not the only source, right, uh, of, of, of um, well, that's not the only cost related to lending out money. Yeah. So the banks have literally, for the last two years now, have had almost an unlimited supply of money at basically nothing. Yeah. Yeah, zero money here. Ha have this. Get it. Get it out into the into the economy. Hundred percent. Now that 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 is now fixed, and the economy will normalise. So the amount of money that's going to get pushed into the economy is going to it has slowed. So it's slowing down. So that liquidity that's there is going to be less. And so what happens as a result is that banks have larger amounts of loans on their balance sheet and have less availability for new loans and less uh, you know, asset base to back it. So there, there's a net tangible asset ratio that starts to get out of whack. Yes. There's also the transactional costs uh, on, the, on the banks at the moment and they didn't repeal a lot of the, um, uh, the what do they call it? Oh, it's that long ago now. Uh, irresponsible lending. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. criteria so they didn't actually repeal any of that so the banks still have to abide by that um, but it's not just the cash rate it's also that forward cash rate again right so if that three-year bond yield rises even just based on a motion and it can do that then that means that that you're talking about five-year funding here so let's just say it's a million dollar loan jace and you're gonna and the bank is going to offer a rate to me and fix it for five years I'm going to go to the market and I'm going to borrow money for as close to that five years as possible to hedge my bet. Yeah. Now, if that's gone up from 0.1 to 0.6, well, that's a 600% increase in the cost of funding. Yes. For me in the future, regardless of where the, the cash rate is today. Because the cash rate today is just for money today. It's not for money in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we see greater um, volatility in that bond market, it's going to impact on the cost of funding for banks in order to be able to deploy money into the market. Banks are, of course, going to take a far more conservative view on this and they'll raise their fixed rates over periods of time. Variable's fine. It's just a markup on whatever the rate is today and it'll go yep. up and down based on whatever happens. But when you start locking it in, that's when you've got to start to look at what's happening. Yeah. And now you've to a degree, people are starting to ask themselves the question, you know, do I start to lock in things now? What's the future going to look like now? And as more people lock in, that sort of solidifies that emotion of the three and the five and the 10-year bond yields. Yeah. 
and it starts to create more stable trends over time, or at least typically that's that's what tends that's to happen. What it, that's what it does. Well, I mean, you know, for property investors, somebody who wants, you know, so, and this is an interesting one, Andy, where you, so if you're an owner-occupier and, and you want certainty for your future expenses yourself, um, all right, well, you know, I want to lock in my home loan, you know, for three years and I know what I'm going to pay, um, which is which is a sensible question. Or, you know, uh, if you are an investor, like you and I talk about, when you actually lock loans in, you know, fixed um, interest rates and fixed, you know, terms and stuff like this, um, then you don't get access. You don't get any liquidity in your asset either, you know, or if you do, then you have to, you know, break one loan to get a new loan and then you have some expenses. So, for example, folks, if you want to buy another investment property but you've locked your loan in, you've got to break that loan, pay some sort of cost to breaking that loan to get access to the $100,000. So, you know, um, yeah, it's not just, you know, should I lock or should I not? You know, uh, there there is always that question, Andy. Um, do I need access to those, to that? asset or some of that liquidity some of that equity for something else as well so you know um you know one layer of question then then obviously folks listening in another layer of question so we do have a couple of um questions in here speaking of questions before before um, we go to them jace the the one thing that i'll, I'll kind of add into the mix just to make it more complicated and personally i, I reckon we should and if, if if everyone wants to I think we should do another session on this next week when I can yeah. actually bring up some slides and, and be a bit more detailed. So, because uh, I, I had a bit prepared, but because um, it's going to be a hot topic and there's, this is going to be in the news. And we were saying that this was going to be in the news for a long time yep. and it's going to scare the shit out of people. Yeah. Um, uh, especially what's, what's coming. And we need to be able to read in between the lines because uh, my belief is that there's going to be a lot of volatility in the bond pricing over the short to medium term. Uh, medium term, you know, two, three, four years down the track. And we kind of need to be able to see through that in order to make sure that we don't make silly decisions and uh, and make sure that we take advantage of opportunities when when they arise. And what you what I can guarantee you get, I, look, I can't guarantee it. If, if I didn't have a license behind me, I'd guarantee <laughs> it, but I do have a license behind me, so uh, I can't guarantee it. But what I believe will come true uh, is that the big banks, right, are going to use this to profit. They're going to use this volatility and they're going to use it to oh, Andy. back up. No, right? no. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I, I thought they it. were looking after me, Andy. <laughs> I, I just, I hate to break it to you. It's like oh, telling the kids about stuff. I've broken, I've broken. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And and the, the funny thing is, Jason, there's people out there who are going, I'll never leave my bank. And um, gee, it's like your bank will leave you every single day, like dry up the creek, no In, paddle. Without even a second thought. What do they say, Andy? Like a banker's um, a fair weather friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. they, lend, they lend you an umbrella when it's a sunny day and they want it back when it's raining. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 100%. But what I think will be really interesting is Athena, uh, you know, second tier lenders, uh, a new marketplace for loans, which is sort of coming online. I reckon there's going to be some really hot competition in there, and I think that, totally. and, and you'll probably know more about this uh, on the on the on the pavement because you know you deal with this every day. But from a, a theoretical and a funding perspective, what I'm already seeing is I'm seeing that the, the big banks moving faster and more aggressively because that means that there's greater margin potentially. Yeah, 
but I'm seeing some of the second tiers being quite conservative in their raises and potentially even holding or and some have even lowered. And so well, I think you know, there's the, yeah, be that, some yeah, it's interesting, Andy, you know, um, the world of non-bank lending, so they are um, they are not approved deposit institutions, ADIs, um, so they have less restrictions and less, you know, challenges in what they do, you know, less less need for less money on hand, less liquidity, less whatever it is. Um, and also just recently, uh, Andy, you, you, you probably would have noticed, and folks, we did something at Mentoring the other night on finance, where uh, you know there was a talk about you know the the servicing rate, the uh, the buffer rate that the bank, the lenders put on top of their qualification for you to get a loan needed to increase by you know 0.05, like a you know 50 basis points or whatever it was. Now that was only enforced in the uh, the approved deposit institutions, so like, only the banks had to do that. It was outside of the scope. Of the non-bank lenders, Andy. So, so they're actually able to provide when the margins, when the when the prices come back up, right? So the non-bank lenders didn't get the free fucking money from the government, right? Mm. Okay, they they still had to work their asses off and you know run a proper business model, <laughs> which was kind of real. Now, when the banks have to come back to the real business model, the non-bank lenders actually become as competitive, if not better, because They've, they're already in place without the free money or the, the cheap money or the easy money, right? So, yeah, and we saw this last time just after the GFC. You know, the non-bank lenders really shone uh, in the world of, you know, call it aggressive. I wouldn't call it aggressive, but, you know, um, a bit more complex lending when you're on your third or your fourth or your fifth investment loan you know, the major banks aren't necessarily the best place to be. You know, um, a, a good non-bank lender can be extremely useful um, at that end of town. So, um, yeah, it is absolutely. We're seeing it on the street, Andy. 90% lending, no LMI. They're self-insure, like, you know, sharp rates. They, they're coming up with little products that the main banks can't match. But your everyday home loan, Andy just wants a loan and he wants to pay his home off. Oh, they, they, they really... You, you almost can never beat the bank on that one, but for the the second loan or the third loan, well, they're, they're really coming into their own. So you know, um, yeah, interesting times. I, I, I'm actually keen on it because, um, yeah, I, it actually busts open a little bit more market um, uh, competition when those rates get a bit more fair across the board. You know, and the opposite the. the the, the, again, we've spoken about this ad nauseum, and mate, the, the borders are open, so we should get our get our butts over to uh, to Japan soon, mate. Um, and, let's go, bro. I'm in. And, I'm in. Uh, Christmas time skiing, and it's oh, not skiing. Uh, we're doing a, a study a business tour. research <laughs> study tour uh, to good old Namura Bank and and visit uh, Tarachi Sun and a, a few old 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 mates of mine over there. But um, the and. I just I don't trust Australia to be smart enough to look because yeah. we're, we're, we're actually, you know, our politicians are not, um, <laughs> if they are educated people, which yeah. they clearly they have an education, um, 
least at least some of them. Some of them I wouldn't trust to sit the right way on a toilet seat. But uh, <laughs> but I don't trust them to be looking at the greater world in order to understand what's happening. And the politicians do have influence. I, I trust that the Reserve Bank, you know, would have enough uh, to be to go. Okay, look around the world. Who's risen rates from zero? Japan yeah. tried to raise rates aggressively over there. It failed, and it just it blew shit up like yeah. and they had blown up and and it and it and it nearly killed them so i'm hoping that the, they take heed and and warning and some good research from it because that that all the the economic philosophy that works or didn't work on the way down depending on what your view is right because interest rates started here and for 30 years they went like that now yeah. that says to me unless your intention was to get to zero Whatever you're doing ain't working. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're not really watching the watching the uh, the road. So, yeah. Once we're down here, we're, we're hoping that they're they're looking more globally, and and that's what again with investors, with with uh, people who have businesses and and funds that are uh, you know with the banks and 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 you know we rely on this in the, in the economy. I think we should be taking a look at. You know, uh, at at Japan and and probably not being too scared by what's going to come in the press. I think we should all have our eyes open, both eyes wide open, and yep. going, "Where is this going?" But looking for good source of information. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree, mate. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, one of the challenges I think, you know, and you and I talked about it is, you know, everyone's going to be on the crack cocaine called, you know, cheap cheap money. Um, and you know, there's just there's an absolute gold rush when it comes to refinancing, resetting mortgages, you name it. Right now, oh. you know, and you have a look at this trend here. You know, from you know a high in sort of 2007, 2008 of like nine percent, folks, nine percent, and we're down to what, like, call it three percent to be really loose. But you know, what did uh, what did Bob just say here? Um, you know, he said, "Oh, listen, you know, I'd have fixed." you know, a fixed interest rate of 1.94. Like that's like ludicrous, Andy. It's, it's free money. Um, and it shifted to 2.09, Bob. And But he said it, you know, he, he wrote, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I bet me over, but it's still cheap, you know. But think of that, like. Yeah, but, but I, Jeff, in the, uh, in the headlines, uh, that, that, that's actually what, what was it? It's, it's an 80% increase. <laughs> it's the highest increase we've ever seen. Outrageous, you know. Yeah. So it's, you know, that, that is, and, and, you know, Bob said that's like NAB. And absolutely, Bob, you know, the, the, the main banks are, um, uh, are in there. Uh, someone asked about the, the non bank lenders without LMI. It's not, without LMI folks, it's they self-insure, so they charge you their own fee, which is like LMI. Sometimes the challenge with lenders, mortgage insurance, um, Andy and, and everyone listening in, is they now have another opinion about what you're buying, right? Not only does the valuer fucking have an opinion, then you've got the bank has an opinion, and now you've got the LMI, the insurers have an opinion. You've got three arbitrary bunches of, like, you know, in the people. <laughs> then they go, oh, I don't like the property, right? So, you know, just it's nice to sort of eliminate one, folks, all right? so <laughs> well, well, you know what they say about opinions, uh, don't you? Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, it's after 5 o'clock, Andy. It's not PG anymore, you know. <laughs> well, opinions, opinions are like arseholes. Arseholes. Everyone, <laughs> Everyone's, everyone's got, one. got one. Yeah, And most of them stink, <laughs> right? 
I told that joke once. Oh, I don't know. Andy, do you, you remember a guy called Neil Jenman? Anyone remember a guy called Neil Jenman, folks? Anyway, he was quite infamous in my world because um, he took on the the sparukaters of um, real estate, the gold the the gold chain, white shoe shuffling, two tier marketers in the the eighties and nineties, um, the Dudley Quinn Livens of the world. Uh, Andy actually took on uh, a bloke called Henry Kay, uh, which you might remember, Andy, back in back in uh, the Melbourne days. Um, anyway, he was kind of the people's, you know, he was the people's protector, which was an absolute lie and bunch of bullshit. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, I told that joke once, and he didn't think it was funny, so uh, it, gave, it gave me a good shellacking on on uh, on chat rooms. But um, oh yeah, there we go. Prices. Now, I remember. <laughs> I remember Neil. Yeah, Neil. Anyway, it was a it was a funny funny chap, old Neil. But uh, you know, and uh, yeah, and Henry K. Those they they were strange days. Andy, I don't I don't know if you remember Henry K.'s claim to fame. What he was doing is um, he was teaching people to get deposit bonds from the lenders. There was institutions where you could get deposit bonds, and he was teaching people to get 10, 12, 15 deposit bonds on the same day and go and take and go um, buy 10, 12, 15 off-the-plan properties off the plan and then on-sell them. <laughs> was, uh, Sounds like it, a low-risk strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. madness. It was crazy. It was a, It was about the time when I started to pay attention to the that, like that space and I'm like, what? How does this work? You know, I'm unconditional on 10 contracts and, <laughs> and if, anyway. Yeah, yeah, before jail. Exactly, Bryce. That's where he ended up in jail. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. So there's some crazy people out there, folks. Anyway, um, I don't know. What was I talking about, Andy? I, I think I got completely. Uh, we're, <laughs> completely... We're, we're, we were on interest rates, I think. Yes. And, uh, and, well, you uh, know, from 9%. Second tier. To, yeah, yeah, 3%. And, you know, Liberty Latrobe, folks. Liberty Latrobe, First Mac, Resi Mac. You know, some of these lenders, and they're very large, reputable lenders, you know, they self-insure. Um, Macquarie, you know, sometimes they can do some really interesting products, et cetera. So, you know. And most uh, of them, most of them, interestingly enough, Jace, they actually they actually have an investment arm where they deploy the funds commercially out the other side. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it's, you know, at Latrobe, and I, this isn't an endorsement to go out and buy Latrobe, by the way, but uh, I think that people should have a look at it. Uh, just as just to see both sides, the lending side and the investment side, and Latrobe have given some outstanding uh, returns on the cash investment over periods of time. Their due diligence has been very good. Their track record has been exceptional, uh, and they've given investors significantly over you know term deposits and and actual real rates of return for quite some time. And the reason why I say that is not to, for you to go out and buy. Latrobe Investments because I, that's not what I'm recommending here. This is not a recommendation by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's an example of what can happen when a company gets together and goes, okay, we're going to lend on one side and we're going to Im have investors pay for it on the other side, uh, well, which is very yeah, different. Yeah, great. Model. Yeah. Uh, bank model is we take money from the government uh, at a very low yield and we lend that out to the market and then we do the rest after that uh but these are companies that literally they go 
Jace, you've got a thousand people who all want to invest a million bucks each. Uh, if I can give you a four percent investment return for that, and you know we're spread it across a whole lot of different properties, and and they put together a matrix, and they go, we're, we're going to fund people who the banks won't fund, but we believe should definitely have funding, and they figure out the appropriate risk return and the appropriate uh, rate to charge on that. And I reckon we're going to see a hell of a lot more of that. And as potentially Facebooks, Googles or whatever manage to crack regulation of banking in Australia and things like that, we'll see that market open up. Mate, it's coming. And, mate, you know, right now um, I saw Jeff. Uh, we And, folks, we'll jump onto these questions in a minute, Andy. I think it'd probably be worth worth having a crack at. But, um, you know, Jeff chucked in there, you know, crypto coin up a thousand, bu- a thousand percent, you know, you know wild, wild rides in those spaces. But. Well, here's what I do know, Andy. Um, uh, there's a uh, there's a wallet right now that uh, like I've got um, uh, a good contact on. I'm trying to get him on for Wealth Wine and Wisdom, actually. Where if you've got your coin, your crypto coin, you can have it in the wallet. You can allow access to um, um, a certain amount of people, and that crypto coin can, in the background earn you an income like uh an income that obviously people are like you know you know uh trading at andy short-term trading you know options whatever it is derivatives you name it they, that's been around forever and a day in the share market right um so you know what the assets that you own and you've been talking about this for a long time right once we get someone's house equity you know on the blockchain and um you know go all right well fuck it you know i'll, I'll put 50 grand or 100 grand of my equity on the blockchain and I'll give permission to the right people to short-term use that as some security um, to then create me an income. On. Bring yeah. on. Yeah. Like this idea of regulation in in uh, and soapbox moment, like because I'm a Victorian, <laughs> and at the moment, uh, for those of you out, don't want to get political, but Mr Andrews is trying to pass legislation where he can call a state of emergency without consulting the health minister, without consulting anyone and do snap lockdowns without even having to give a justificational reason for it um fuck me but uh where was i going with that nanny nanny state nanny yeah. state a dictatorship type of a way of telling us what we can and cannot do with our lives and i'm talking about our freedoms and our liberties at the moment and as in victoria we're pretty pissed off with what's going on uh, at least i hope you are victorians because you should be uh, again, ambivalence is the number one reason that you won't be where you need to be in the next 10 or 20 years if you're ambivalent to, to, to the politics. Jason and I, we spoke about this. Uh, we, spoke, we speak about it all the time, Andy, yeah. right? Like comfort's the worst place to be. You know, you're, you're not paying attention and you're not listening to what's going on. Yep, absolutely. Yep. But uh, mark, mark our words, within, I reckon, 10 years, you will be able to do that. You will be able to go, okay, I'll take 5% of my house and I'm going to deploy that equity over there. I'm going to take another 3% of my house and I'm going to deploy that over there and and you'll be able to do that. And at the moment, just to be able to do that, to utilise your own equity, you have to jump through hoops and regulations, which is obscene because at the end of the day, it's my it's my energy that I went out and deployed it's into the universe. Yep. And it's the risk that I chose to take to invest over there and to buy this bit of real estate and in my view, Jace, and, and I come from this area, I should be able to do with that whatever the bloody hell I should like to be able to do. And I went down to the bank the other day, tried to get more than $10,000 out in cash, 
because I want to go trading. I want to buy a whole lot of garage sale stuff. I want to go nuts on this because I reckon I'll make a fortune just by picking up little things that people. Hey, you doing the up. Gary V, mate? You go you on the, on the weekends, the Saturday, buddy. Yeah, mate. I'm I'm out and about. I'm going to be into it, like Flynn. Or, um, because Mark, mate, we'll, we'll do segments on it because there, there'll <laughs> be some it. great stuff out there. Uh, but I couldn't even take uh, twenty grand out of the bank. Ludicrous, right? Ludicrous. I had, to, I had to write to the bank and say, "Please, Mr. Bank Manager." A variation of that, but anyway, I, that that blockchain technology, when that starts to kick off out here, we will be able to do that. And- it's coming, Andy. Right? It's coming because guess what, folks? Andy, pop quiz: Who's already doing that on your fucking equity? Who's doing it? The banks. The banks. <laughs> the, like folks, wake up and smell the fucking roses. <laughs> The banks are already doing it. You're you're making extra payments on your mortgages and thinking you're doing great. No, you're not. You're just giving the bank your cash and then they take it and then they'll do what they, like, you know, they've got these these, uh, ability to then on-lend certain things. Your mortgage is their asset, you know, Um, and it's it's an interesting idea. Oh, there you go. You're in the iPad, Andy. (laughs) <laughs> right. oh, yeah, mate. I'll, t- I'll turn you on there we go boom let's put him back all right turn that one off <laughs> the iphone's gone andy's ipad is back andy the ipad um you know so <laughs> but you know what like it's in in real like it's already happening andy has been for decades um it's just we as the the person we as the owner of that real estate haven't benefited directly and 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 we should. It's our bloody piece of real estate. Like you said, it's your thing. You spend 30 years paying that thing off, and then the bank has, has had it as an asset for them for 30 years where they can trade it on the on the short-term cash market or do whatever with it because it's their asset, you know. That's why they lend you 80%. Well, you know, that's bullshit, you know. So it's an interesting one, Andy. Like I, the next decade, exciting times, I reckon, in that space. Um, and I reckon you got to get a piece of it personally. Yep, yep. There you go. Oh well, let's quickly. Uh, I think we should just jump onto this question. Maybe here, Andy, and kind of on the on the back stretch. Actually, an hour's gone by in a flash, mate. And your your phone lasted all right, actually. So wasn't that wasn't bad. too bad. Was I thought you'd, I thought it'd be over in ten or fifteen minutes. But anyway, uh, so I can't. Uh, I don't know who this was, but sort of you know, this is talking about retirees you know as they retire into you know um create liquidity pass on portfolios get you know you're going to feel downward pressure on shares and equity markets you know uh as it's not a high desire factor for the younger um generation potentially maybe uh, you know uh thinking cash will move from shares into other assets that are in more vogue curious on those thoughts for long term andy you know I, it sort of brings up for me one of your favourite sayings. Um, what is it? History. Um, it's a good mimic. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, repeat itself, but it certainly mimics certain things. Um, mimic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Todd dialing in for us there. So thanks for the question, Todd. Wait, can you can you just read that out or sa- paraphrase I'll, it for me? Yeah, I'll, I'll read it out. So you know, okay. So you know, as kind of the baby boomer. You know the the portfolios and the the assets of the baby boomers. You know from you know 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, kind of you know liquefy and turn into something and pass on. Are those 
assets going to be in vogue? Maybe a question is like, you know, someone used to have bank shares and now we, we don't want bank shares, we want Dogecoin, right? You know, who's going to buy the shares that they sell, you know? Um, it, it, is that something we need to keep in mind? Like the 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 change of asset classes, that ever happened in history that we know of, you know? I don't know if the house will ever go out of vogue, but, you know, it's interesting. It's a good question. It's quite a deep question, isn't it? it look, from a futurist perspective, you, you would start thinking in and around uh, ultimately what is it that people value. Yeah. Uh, commercially, if a business continues to develop and continues to earn coin and profit and distribute profit, then that's always going to be an investment. Now, whether that is an investment via a way of a share in its current form, or whether it's an investment via a way of an, uh, uh, an NFT, a non-fungible token, uh, that may represent a bank interest. Uh, so, and, and I'm really just, I'm talking from the opinion area right now and I'm pulling it right out. Uh, so it's, it stinks a little bit, but the, <laughs> let's just say that uh, banks want to launch MLC as an example, a second tier funding model. And they wanted they want to uh, they they want equity to do that. They might issue non fungible tokens instead of shares in the future. And that non fungible token might come with a series of contracted benefits that you get um, that go further than just shares. Right at the moment, shares basically just give you a, a percentage of ownership and a right of distribution based yeah. on the percentage of ownership that you have. In the future, uh, that may change to you know features and benefits that uh, are more valuable to you, uh, and so the mechanism mightn't be via a stock market. It might be via you know the blockchain, via an NFT or something to that effect. So mm. I think you will see the uh, the type of asset class change quite dramatically. Now, the the biggest thing that is going to slow that down on mass. Uh, are going to be regulation and governments that, and you're going to see a huge amount of uh, the wild, wild west. Um, and this this is both an opportunity and it's also, uh, you know, progress with caution because where you see the future is going, you've got a great potential to go out there and make money uh, and really be ahead of the curve. But you're also going to play with a lot of people who uh, have also got the same idea and maybe better funding or more manipulative. They're well funded, yeah. And uh, and when you're in a less regulated space, it's take no prisoners. You will get hurt if you are if if you cannot afford to take the risk and you take it, um, then you will become collateral damage. So, I think it's going to be really interesting jace i think that yeah so to answer the question fundamentally yes i think that the asset allocation model of which most investing is done by and regulated to be done by i think that's broken yeah there is already a major shift in what a good investment portfolio should look like but we're not allowed to make it look like that because asic and the regulators don't understand them i mean the regulators are what I mean, 30, 40 years behind the actual market, Andy. I mean, the laws, like, I mean, the laws far out. How old are they, you know, in this space? You know what I mean? So, well, the portfolio theorem and the diversification model of ASIC is built on Harry Markowitz's um, 
uh, Nobel Prize. Of, but 1908 or something. Uh, like, something ridiculous like that, yeah. We're, yeah. we're well past it. Like Ludicrous. Yeah, ludicrous. And, you know, let's hope, let's hope that, uh, you know, where Australia was cutting edge 30 years ago, you know, um, Australia actually came up with the silicon chip, Andy. Like, like we were, we were the country that that this, that created the technology that the silicon chip was created upon, um, and from that sort of crowning glory, we it was only a decline from there. Uh, sadly, with with our governments, didn't, um, didn't, didn't we manage to fuck that up? Because now there's a shortage <laughs> of silicon chips, and if we were sitting there still running the race, ah, but you know, so maybe you know. Yeah, uh, it's so you know. There's a transformation occurring, and you know, like in in my world, I'm like, you know, we we we've got to be sensible. You know, at the end of the day, we can't. We we it, it is not prudent for anyone anyone's safety or um, capacity to just rip apart the existing infrastructure, like just destroy it in five minutes. That is dumb. That's stupid. That that that's that's anarchy. Um, however. We we must fast and furiously integrate these decentralized technologies and use them for our for our you know our country's benefit for the world's benefit. But you know we we must embrace them because they're here. Uh, what what is it? You know, uh, was it three trillion dollars or something? Bitcoin's market cap, Andy? Like that, like that it's the uh, it was the uh, crypto space. Crypto space. But it was really run by three of them: uh, Ethereum, Bitcoin, and I've forgotten the other one off the top of my head. But uh, but yes, yeah, it was uh, uh, the largest yeah. single asset class other than property. Yeah. So you know, um, it's yeah. Well, you know, it's here to stay. It's not going away. Uh, and uh, fantastically, I and I think fantastically, you and I have talked about there's such you know uh, friction and inefficiency between. The end user and a, a, a thing, an asset, a, a something. You know, there's these middle people, these middle in the middle, in the middle, in the middle. Um, the, the middle should be scared. The end user now now has what it should have, the reward for its risk. Uh, the middle, the lazy, fat middle should be the ones that like, fuck, I need to change my business model, right? You know, and and that's the way it should be. Personally, I, I think that's great. You know, that that broker in the middle yep. is unrequired um, if this technology is is managed properly. Um, sadly, well, not sadly. I think naively you could think that governments can't be involved, but just remove the government, the word government, because if that triggers you, well, that's you know, that's just the way it is. There there has to be some management of it where where there is kind of a some mechanisms of oversight and some sort of governance so we don't have you know the 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 world where you know andy thinks oh i'm going to invest in nfts and he loses everything he's ever fucking had in his life in five seconds flat because it was run by i don't know fucking maybe this is not the right right commentary but you know nigerian scammers let's say right like so that there has to be some mechanism, Andy, of management, you know, um, but it's got to be managed some way. So I don't know the answer to that, but I certainly do know that this technology is absolutely going to bust it open for the good, I think, you know, at the end of the day. 
yeah. we've noticed the fat middle, you know, the fat, lazy, you know, annoying middle has always pissed you and me off <laughs> endlessly. <laughs> and I think that the new asset classes that will evolve will be asset classes that have been available to the wholesale and uh, institutional investor for many years. Dead right. Yeah. Yeah, and then they're making 10, 12, 15% margin and us at the at the fucking bottom end, you go like, can we get half a percent, you know? Like, yeah, nah, mate, you know. What are you going to get in the bank? Well, half a percent on my money. Well, how come those people are making 8% and I get half a percent? What? Of Where's? Course, because we need to protect you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mate, uh, I think that's uh, I think that's a very interesting conversation, and one I think would be great to put a pin in. I I, I agree with you, mate. I'd love to see us put together a little bit more detail on those uh, interest rates and bond rates and a few other bits and pieces. I think that'd be great. So um, we might uh, we might call it a we might call it done and dusted. We thought we would not get through today on wealth, wine, and wisdom because of Andy's power shortage, but he's he's managed extremely well at your end. I think, mate. Well done. Um, and uh, you know, good job, uh, good job, folks, for sticking in there and hanging out. But um, other than uh, any other questions that might come on through, I think we're done and dusted, Andy. Um, well, I didn't, I did uh, have a little Pinot, by the way. Oh, look at oh, Yeah, it was, a, it was a nice drop. The old sawmill. Yeah, not too bad. I, I highly recommend, mate. I highly recommend. How, how many days has that been open? Oh, only two days. Only two days. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had a glass yesterday and I had you on my fucking shoulder, Andy. But no, <laughs> fucking... <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. Well, mate, well, folks, great to hang out with you guys. Awesome to, uh, you know, chew the fat. Another wealth, wine, and wisdom done and dusted for Friday, the 29th of October. Awesome yeah, to hang too. out. Uh, yep. State and the Sunshine State. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, I think that's it, Andy. Well, it's a good night from you. It's a good night from him. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Happy Halloween indeed. <laughs> <laughs>